Blog Talk Radio. Hello. Hello. All right, sorry about that technical difficulty. Mr. Morton, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good, good, good. Do I do apologize for that. Um, I want to thank you for being on the show. We've had um one of your uh, your communication guys. I'm trying to think of his name. Um Oh, Jorge. Yeah, Jorge. Yep. Jorge. Yes. He yeah. was really really good. Very good giving us some information about salt because as you know, many of us have been lied to and been told different stories about salt. Salt has been demonized as the devil, or you shouldn't have it. It's really, really bad for you. And many people do not include salt whatsoever in their diet and any parts of their life. And so when I found the Salt Institute on the website, and taking my time to read about the health benefits and everything we need about salt, I was blown away. I was totally blown away that you guys exist. Mr. Moore, uh, they call you the salt guru. Why do you have that name, the salt guru? Oh, it, <laughs> Martha, it was just um, a name I made up several years ago, uh, uh, to, uh, I guess, use a character uh, uh, on YouTube that uh, would be able to educate consumers uh, based on the latest uh, peer-reviewed technical information. Uh, and it's as, it's as simple as that. It's, it's, it's no, more, no more complicated than that. I love it. I love the name. I love the Salt Institute and what it stands for. And this is what my show is about, for your help, is to bring this stuff that often sits on the table. But I want to bring the good knowledge and information about what's on our table and the health benefit it holds for us. So give our listening audience a background about the Salt Institute. And you're being the vice president of the Salt Institute and how that happened. Okay, well, the Salt Institute uh, is, is actually quite an old institute. It was uh, formed, I think, uh, back in 1914. And the idea was uh, basically for it to serve as a source of information uh, for consumers on uh, uh, everything that was available on salt. Uh, and uh, we, we really take it very seriously uh, because – as in so many other areas of the food industry, I'm not talking only about salt, but as in so many other areas of the food industry, we have literally thousands of people out there giving advice 
that is really uh, not based on uh, any evidence, um, but is really uh, almost mythology. You know, I wrote a book back in 1992 on food radiation, and I coined the term misinformation uh, because uh, so many of these people uh, that are in the public sphere give out information to consumers that are really uh, that is really not based uh, on any evidence, uh, but based on 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 a contrived mythology. And uh, what we uh, try to do is to make sure that uh, people understand that. Hang on, there's a difference between opinion and uh, evidence, and there certainly is a very big difference between evidence and myth. Uh, and it's unfortunate because uh, we don't get very much help in this, uh, certainly not from the government, uh, uh, because the government uh, this uh, basically backs whatever uh, seems to support their agenda of the day. The fact is that evidence itself if derived from science, doesn't change. It's not based on an agenda. It's either this is true or this is not true. And let me give you one example, a very good example that I think everybody can sort of relate to. And that is there's this myth that we eat more salt than ever before. Uh, you know, we, we look at our convenience foods and we eat out in restaurants and so on and so forth. People really do believe we eat more salt than ever before. When in fact, the data that's available indicates that we now eat less salt than ever before. Than ever before. Now, that may seem counterintuitive to most people, but it's counterintuitive only if you don't really think carefully about it. Now, the most effective preservative of food throughout history has been salt. Think for a moment, every gourmet food that you could think of that's been around for a while, uh, like cheeses Mm -hmm. and salamis and hams and uh, all these things, have been preserved in salt. Every single Mm -hmm. one. There is not a thing, there is not one You can't name one cheese that is not cured in salt. I mean, so we've had this history, this uh, multi-millennial long history of preserving our food in salt. Uh, That did not change uh, up until the uh, end of the Second War. Why? Because by the end of the Second War, refrigeration was taking over from salt in terms of the main form of food preservation. Uh, so from the, uh, let's say, 50s onward, up, up until now, our salt consumption took a dive in the uh, 10 years after the war, let's say until uh, the mid-50s. And it took a dive to a level that is about the same as what we're currently eating now. So we went down from about 18 to 20 grams of salt per day, which we used to eat uh, when we ate salt-preserved foods, uh, and it went down to about 8.5 to 9 grams a day, which we we eat now. We eat now about uh, 8.5 grams a day. Uh, But people still believe that we eat more salt than ever before. Um, It's simply not based. It's an understanding that's not based on fact. 
so that's number one. When I talk about a myth, we have to get everything in balance. And what we do is when we do have the information, that's what we use to guide our lives. It, we use it to guide our diets, uh, uh, and we use it essentially to guide our lives. Um, so that's what the SALT Institute does. It basically tries to get the data that is available, the actual experimental data that is out there, and make that available to people so that they're not misled. Uh, I mean, the, the worst possible thing is is when somebody goes ahead and believes in something that is known to be incorrect, and they guide their life by incorrect yeah. information. Uh, so that that's essentially what, what we do. Uh, that's 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 uh, our main role is to make sure that people understand what this is all about. And the Salt Institute, looking at your website, you, this is science based. You know, you've done the study, you've done your homework, and even the history, as you were saying, um, I tell people, my listening audience, for your help, my grandmother lived on the farm pretty much most of her life, and she lived to be 105, and they preserved everything with salt. And right. salt is very healthy. And even on your website, we talk about salt being in our food, how important that salt is for our body because our body is made of salt and water. Is that right. correct? Give us some information about right. that. Right, absolutely. Uh, our body can't function without salt. Salt has a myriad of uh, roles uh, within our body. First of all, we can't have any nerve transmission uh, without salt. Uh, we can't have any digestion without salt because the chloride in salt ends up in the hydrochloric acid that is used in our stomachs uh, to help um, digest our foods. Uh, salt basically controls the pressure in our circulatory system uh, because without salt we would not be isotonic and uh, basically we would we would die very very quickly there have been some unfortunately there have been some pretty tragic uh, examples of this um, one was several years ago on a radio program where people were asked uh, to um, drink as much water as they could plain water uh, before going to the bathroom, and it was, I think it was called Hold Your Wee for a Wee. I think they were giving a wee away as a prize. <laughs> and uh, and un unfortunately, one woman wanted desperately for her children to have that toy, really drank tremendous amount of water without uh, having the electrolyte salt in it. And, well, the long and the short of it is she died within the same day. Uh, from uh, hyponatremia. Wow. And what happens is that, I mean, we have to have everything in balance, particularly in our brains. And uh, mm -hmm. what happened was that uh, there was so little uh, so sodium chloride or salt in her circulatory system and in her brain that the brain started to absorb water from the rest of the system in order basically to look for that salt. Uh, and wow. she, she unfortunately, she died uh, of a stroke uh, from uh, hyponatremia. I mean, uh, salt is an essential uh, nutrient. We cannot live without salt. The key thing is, well, how much salt should we have? And let us let let's be very very honest here. 
there is no one size fits all for everybody. That's the first thing that everybody should understand, that when the government goes ahead and sets up standards and doesn't go yeah. through the trouble of letting people know that, hang on, this is a standard, this is a suggestion, it's not one size fits all, but you can use this as a, a general guideline. There's no such thing as one size fits all. Uh, so each individual has their own requirement. Uh, and they're generally speaking very close to one another, but as I said, they're not all identical. Now, when the government goes ahead and sets out a standard uh, that is totally out of whack with, number one, uh, what we eat now, and we, ha and we are healthy, even though they like to tell us that we're not, um, people, I mean, you get the impression that we're dying by the thousands, uh, and, yeah. and we are not. Uh, you know, when they talk about the, the last two years, we've had a slight drop in life expectancy. This is due to the opioid epidemic. This has got nothing to do with diet. Uh, they, you will get some people, by the way, some uh, individuals who, talk, who love to talk about nutrition but know very little will grab any statistic and try to, uh, to associate that. Uh, with whatever is the object of the, their propaganda. And some people will tell you, look, uh, our, our, our life expectancy is going down. It's because of the salt. Obviously, it's not. We know what it, it, it's due to. Right. Uh, so, mm -hmm. in, uh, in, in fact, our life expectancy has been steadily increasing over the years. Uh, and uh, it's rather interesting. Uh, our salt has not increased. Our salt has stayed the same, as I said, since the mid-50s. Uh, hasn't changed, but we are we are getting healthier. The one one problem that we have, unfortunately, with all of the information is uh, that's out there, is that we have a society that has more information than ever before, but at the same time less perspective than they ever had. More information, mm. less perspective. Wow. You were better off getting your information from grandma than you were from the government. Uh, and I, I say this seriously because, I mean, it really does hurt me. I don't want people to make themselves ill from misinformation. We, right. we are told that we eat nutrients. Well, we don't eat nutrients. We eat food. We eat food as parts of meals as parts of lifestyle, you know, an exercise regime. It's, it's all integrated. Somebody doesn't go ahead and say, well, okay, I, I've eaten my potassium, that's it, I, I'm, go, I'm good for the day. That's not the way it works. Uh, when, you, when you eat, you try to eat a balanced meal so that you're not looking for every uh, mix of nutrients in one particular food. You eat a balanced meal. You have a couple of foods. You may have fish and vegetables and uh, perhaps potatoes, whatever. You you eat a meal, and it's all supposed right. to mesh. It comes in in a balanced way. Uh, you know, there's no there's no one miracle food. Anybody that comes close to believing that concept is so misguided that they have to be totally re-educated to understand. Do you know when you eat celery, 
Celery has got a lot of fiber. I'm sorry I'm going on, but I'm trying to give some perspective. When you eat celery... No, do, give it to uh, us. You know, yes, celery has it. got a lot of fiber in it. Well, what does fiber do? You don't digest fiber. Fiber isn't there for the, to be digested. Quite the contrary. What fiber does is that it absorbs water, it forms bulk in your system, and it pushes whatever you've eaten through your entire system faster than normal because it's it's bulkier. Uh, and uh, so people think, you know, well, it, it's giving you a lot of nutrients. Well, no, that's not the role. The role of celery is quite anti-nutritive. It helps your fiber. It helps make sure that the food that you have in your system doesn't reside there so long that it may yeah. cause problems in your uh, in your digestive system. It helps move things along. So, I mean, people have to have this vision if they can. They have to picture what's going on in their bodies. And in the case of salt, salt is uh, such a uh, a multidimensional uh, nutrient uh, that we absolutely have to have it in just so many uh, for so many functions. Uh, people have a tendency to think, well, we get hypertension from salt. That's not true. We don't get a hypertension <laughs> from salt. Let, yes. let me give you a perfect example of this. This is something that perhaps I'm hoping that your listeners can visualize and see, because I don't want to sell them something that they can't see for themselves. Right. Now, when someone right. is ill, they go to the hospital. What is the first thing that they do? They slap an IV a saline mm-hmm. drip on you. A yep. saline drip a saline drip contains point nine percent salt or sodium chloride. That's nine grams of salt per liter. Now the average drip in a hospital is three liters a day. That means you're getting twenty seven grams of salt a day, plus whatever they're feeding you in the hospital. At the same time, they're checking your blood pressure every six hours. <laughs> yeah, normally, you would think the blood pressure would go through the roof. You know, 27 <laughs> grams plus whatever they're feeding you, you would think that your head would blow off at, the, at that right. sort of level. But it, but it doesn't. It mm-hmm. doesn't. Uh, and uh, so there are, there are let, let, let's face it, there are some people, uh, and there's a certain percentage of the population, that because of genetics and perhaps other uh, issues have difficulty uh, with their kidneys eliminating salt. It comes to, I don't know, about 10 to 15% of the population uh, that have that uh, problem. Now, these people have, first of all, they they should not be eating uh, very much salt because they can't handle it uh, until, of course, they're treated for hypertension. Once they're treated for hypertension, they have gotten over that inability to consume salt. And I, while I think they should still be cautious, they then can consume a little higher levels than they, they normally can because they're being treated. The key is to make sure that you're being treated. Most other people can easily handle uh, the amount of salt that we're given. Now, we eat 8.5 grams a day of salt, roughly. At 3.4 grams of sodium, it comes to about 8.5 grams of sodium chloride uh, or salt. Uh, and uh, that is really in what we now consider to be the safest range 
of, of uh, salt consumption. Uh, we eat 3.4 grams of sodium equivalent, uh, and the safest range is somewhere between 3 and 5 grams per day, which, by the way, is where about 96% of the world eats within that narrow range. It doesn't matter where you are geographically. It doesn't matter what your culture is. It doesn't matter what your uh, traditional diet is. It doesn't matter what your economic circumstances are. Everyone in the world, or about 95% of them, eats somewhere between 3 and 5 grams equivalent sodium per day, sodium equivalent per day, uh, which is really quite amazing because what that tells us is that our body, you know, there's a book written once by the dean of Harvard uh, University. It's called The Wisdom of the Body. The body is telling us how much we should be eating and we have this appetite that that gets us to uh, consume in that that sort of range per day yet the government is telling us that we shouldn't be eating more than 2.3 grams we eat 3.4 the government tells us we should be eating 2.3 on what basis you think this this basis was was experimentation no this was some figure that was pulled out of the I'm quite serious by the way some figure that was pulled out of the air that had no basis in science, but it was done by a government-appointed uh, committee, uh, and uh, you know, God you know, protect us from bureaucratic yeah. committees, because yeah. bureaucratic committees like to talk a lot, but they forget that whatever they say has an impact on their kids, their neighbors, their family. I mean, th this is not a joke. You don't give out advice freely if it's bad advice. Uh, some of the recommendations are as low as one and a half grams a day, which is really very, very low. Now, what happens when we drop our salt to those low levels per day? It's not, it, it's not something that's benign. It's not something that doesn't have an impact. What it does is it leads almost instantly to insulin resistance, it increases mortality from type 1 yeah. and type 2 di diabetes. It increases cardiovascular events. Uh, it has impacts on all sorts of things because our body has a system of controlling salt that's very complex, very, very wonderful, uh, quite incredible. If we don't eat enough salt, our body knows to, to, to basically recoup salt from the waste stream and put it back into our bloodstream. Just quite an, incredible. But the negative is that while it does that, the, the high level of hormones that are required to do that and that are generated when we cut back on salt have terrible negative impacts on other things, like, for instance, diabetes. So it's not without risk that we draw that we drop our salt consumption how can the government make that recommendation when first of all nobody in the world no single country in the world consumes salt at that low level 2.3 or 1.5 not a single country what? not one and if that's the case are the government is the government putting us into this massive trial like we're lab rats, they don't have any experience of any healthy society eating that low level of salt. How can they make that recommendation? 
aren't they thinking uh, that someone at the end of the line is going to benefit or suffer from such from such a recommendation? Uh, so you might you must forgive me. I mean, I I, I basically have it in for for bureaucrats that give out free advice that happens to be the wrong advice. And you know uh, what you said about the health. I've seen it even with our own family members who've had congestive heart failure. They're taken off a of salt. Uh, they're taken off so many different foods and put on food that actually would take them out. Because I think I read a study a couple of years back where some senior citizens in Chicago, it was very hot summer. It had got super hot that summer. The temperature got like into the 99s and close to the 100s. And these senior citizens were on a saltless diet. And many right. of them end up dying. End Absolutely. up dying. There, there are, oh, there are studies, actually. There are actually studies on that. It's not just anecdotal information, as, as you just related, uh, because there are, there are real figures. I mean, it's a terrible thing. Older people, uh, some, you know, if they're well off, fine, they do it on their own. Sometimes their kids do that. They like to put them into uh, uh, sort of uh, homes, assisted living homes. First thing that happens is, oh, you're an older person, throw them on, onto a low-salt diet. What mm-hmm. happens? They go onto a low-salt diet. First of all, everything is so bland, they, number one, lose interest in life because nothing's tasty anymore. That's number one. Number two, you start seeing them, well, you know, if, uh, I know it's a little early, but it's 11 in the morning. I think it's time for lunch and because they're just bored. And then they s- decide to have their dinner rather than at 6 or 7. They're going to have it at 4 or 4.30. And this goes on uh, where they're eating this bland diet, uh, and they generally start to lose interest in life. And... What's more important is the impact of the low sodium in their bloodstream. In some cases, causes something which is the name is an anomaly. It's called asymptomatic hyponatremia, which is I mean it's kind of stupid to have a name like that because it's actually a disease. But they call it asymptomatic. Well, if it was asymptomatic, you wouldn't have symptoms, but you do have symptoms. And the symptoms are this sort of sense of malaise and, most importantly, this slow loss in balance and cognition. That's not a joke, by the way, because when you start having this loss in balance, they've done these studies in Belgium where they have this huge platform that can actually uh, rock back and forth. And they, uh, they've done studies, a very, very large platform, they've done studies on people who have been placed on low-salt diets versus people who haven't. And they get them to walk across this platform. And you have to see the difference in the pattern, the walking pattern, because people who are on the low-salt diets walk as if, like they would never pass uh, an, an alcohol test. Uh, you know, by the police on the highway. They're they're, they're kind of meandering back and forth because they they have lost a great deal of their their balance. Uh, And and again, uh, cognition suffers. Uh, So you have this whole cascade of things that happen. The other thing is, is when you don't have uh, enough uh, salt in your diet, you start to lose your sense of thirst. 
And uh, dehydration is one of the most critical uh, problems for elderly people. So uh, I'm not saying that no one should go on a low-salt diet, but certainly it should not be a default recommendation going into an assisted living facility without being tested. Uh, to see that that that's re- that to to make sure that that's really warranted. If not, you're sentencing someone to a long, slow, protracted, uncomfortable death. And you know, I had one of my customers at my store when I had my store in Noonan, Georgia, um, bought some salt for me. I was telling her how healthy the salt is and it was beneficial. So I'm just giving her this feel about the salt how it helped me, you know, how it helped my joints, and, you know, just taking in the salt and water, eating right. And so she said, well, Marcia, I'm on high blood pressure medication. I can't do salt. And I said, well, I tell you what, make sure you drink plenty of water and then cook with this and tell me what happened. She came back into the store maybe two or three months later and said that the doctor took off her blood pressure medication. She didn't need any more. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. You know, people who are on medication, by the way, uh, have a good deal of their um, problems uh, relieved. Uh, So, uh, you know, uh, in some cases, yes, they do have to remain on a low-salt diet. But in other cases, uh, they can increase the amount of salt that they consume to make their food uh, tastier. Uh, as, As long as everything is done, under the supervision of a doctor, and they're monitoring. I mean, the one thing you don't want to do is is get ill, obviously. Uh, So, uh, you know, as long as you monitor, keep your eye on it, uh, but you have to do this with a certain realistic perspective. I mean, it's your health after all, and you can't leave it to some dummy who gives advice that is not based on anything that's experimentally proven. You know, we're we're very, very strict at the uh, SALT Institute on making sure that whatever we say can be backed up by experimental evidence. And I'm not talking about one guy in a back room somewhere. I'm talking about <laughs> large uh, uh, studies with very, very, you know, uh, hundreds of uh, cohorts of, of people uh, done at legitimate hospitals. I mean, that's the only thing we can depend on because we're not going to give advice on something uh, that is fake and in two months will be turned around by somebody else. We have to depend on solid information. And when there's enough information for us to go ahead and say, listen, this is what the data says. Uh, And by the way, we don't support any research. We can't afford to. This is really expensive stuff, this research. But what we can do is we can make people aware of what is being said. And that's a very, very big (laughs) difference between us and the government, and a lot of consumer advocates, by the way. Everybody likes to pick and choose the data. On our website is everything, uh, positive and negative, uh, on salt, and it's and it's it's really really interesting. It's because it, it it almost looks like the two types of researchers are completely separate solitudes. The guys that are anti-salt don't refer to any of the positive studies. They they just they they pretend it doesn't exist. 
I mean, what mm-hmm. kind of science is that? I mean, and, and, and I mean, that's not the role of science. We're here to inform people because whoever it is is either going to benefit or suffer from the advice. Uh, and uh, in in our case, uh, I mean, you, you, first of all, you have to understand that food salt is not a ma- it's not a major uh, is not the major market for the salt industry. It's a very small proportion of the salt industry, but we spend a lot of time on it. You know, most of the salt, believe it or mm-hmm. not, goes into de-icing. But we're interested in making sure that whoever and whatever uh, people hear about salt, at least they're hearing the the honest truth, what the evidence says. If there's any doubt, we say that we're not 100% sure. This is what it, it is tending to now, but the story isn't over yet. At least that provides consumers with a perspective. Uh, you know, there's, there, there's no uh, miracle answers for everything. We basically have to... Um, we 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 base our decisions on the best available data, uh, and that's what we're trying to make available to consumers. And salt is so valuable because salt was so valuable that they even used it as currency at one time. Give us a little history about how you know salt about salt and his money. Well. Uh, salt one time uh, you had worth that was uh, greater than gold of course of course the word mm-hmm. salary comes from sal obviously which is salt uh and uh, you know for many many years um uh, i lived uh, in italy i was uh, head of the uh, agriculture division at the food and agriculture organization of the united nations it was based in rome and there you you still see the old salt highways, and they're called Via Salaria, uh, you know, various names uh, similar to that. Uh, but salt really was, at that, at one point in time, extremely valuable, and, and in some places it still is. I mean, there still happened to be caravans that crossed the Sahara Desert uh, to drop uh, their salt slabs uh, off in Timbuktu uh, for further trade into uh, Central Africa. Uh, in those places uh, where commercial salt production has not reached, uh, it still is an extremely valuable commodity. We are very fortunate because, uh, you know, we make salt commercially, be it uh, refined rock salt uh, or sea salt, and salt has, has is no longer a, uh, a commodity of any great expense uh, for most of us. And I should say, by the way, I said about 95% of the countries in the world consume salt within that range. The small, the very small percentage of countries that uh, consume less than 3.4 grams a day or what we consume uh, do so only because in those areas salt still is a, a rather costly item. So, you know, it's an economic decision more than anything else. Um, uh, for for them to uh, uh, consume less salt, it's not because of anything else. It's because they just can't afford uh, the salt in that in 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 those countries in those areas. And I met a young man um, talking about salt. He was a fitness coach, and he taking salt out of his diet, 
And what he found out with him that he couldn't remember anything. He was having brain fog. He couldn't remember nothing. He was drinking water. He was eating healthy. But the mere fact that he took salt from his diet caused him to start having brain fog because our brain sits in salt water. Isn't that correct? Yeah, well, exactly. And if you remove the salt from it, the brain goes around looking for salt, and it starts to absorb water. And uh, that's uh, uh, what happens in hyponatremia. It starts to absorb so much water that your brain swells within the skull to an extreme point where, I mean, if the doctors get you fast enough, they'll drill a hole in your skull to be able to drain uh, some of that water. But you have to have the salt to to balance uh, that off so that the brain doesn't keep looking for more and more uh, and as a consequence uh, swells. Um, so, uh, no, it's it's critically important. Uh, to to make sure that uh, you uh, consume enough salt. And as I said, this asymptomatic hyponatremia is where your brain is just bringing in a little bit extra water constantly uh, because it keeps looking for salt. You're not eating enough. These are the people that are on low-salt diets that are put in, on these, uh, in these assisted living uh, institutions. And it's not asymptomatic. It's just that their symptoms are not as apparent as full-blown hyponatremia. But don't think that these things go on forever without having a, a, ultimately a, a, a horrific consequence. Uh, so, no, it, it's very, very important that we maintain a balance uh, in our diet. And, I, you know, I, I, that, I, that's what Grandma said. It's, it's got to be yeah. balanced. And uh, it, it's not more complicated than that. When you get people writing these books that tell you all these complicated things that one has to do uh, in order to survive, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, a couple of years ago, I, was, I happened to be uh, in Ireland. It's a beautiful country. And uh, um, I, I, uh, I was um, passing by some... Uh, some cemeteries, and uh, I was r- reading, you know, the inscriptions on some of the stones, and I couldn't get over the age of the people that died. They, I mean, these are stones that were 200 years old, and, you know, they died at the age of, uh, of 80, of 85, of 78, of 90, and so how is it possible? I started looking into it. And it, it's really, really interesting because, I mean, they ate tons of salt uh, in those days because everything was preserved in salt. I mean, you couldn't have fish without salt because the fish came mm-hmm. in and was preserved and it came in in piles of salt. Anyway, the U.S. is the only country in the world that kept these particular type of statistics. And, that is, and that's from 1835 onwards. And that is statistics that show your life expectancy, not only at birth, but what is your life expectancy once you reach 5 years old, once you reach 10 years old, once you reach 20 years old. The U.S. was the only country that kept those statistics. And it made it very, very clear 
that when you did the average life expectancy, you know, from at birth, the average life expectancy was very, very low. But then when you looked at the life expectancy uh, at the age of five, at the age of 10, you found out that, in fact, if you survived until the age of five, 10, or 15, or 20, that you lived to a very old age. And that made it very clear that all the the statistics on life expect, expectancy were driven by infant mortality. And that if you manage to survive infancy properly, you live to an old age. And you, and you ate all that salt all these years. Uh, right. So in fact, eating all that salt was not uh, really a uh, a problem. And in, when you now look at, <laughs> this is really very funny actually, when you look at the actual figures on the World Health Organization website, and I challenge any of your listeners uh, to do so, if you actually look at the figures on the, uh, uh, the uh, global uh, World Health Organization database, you find out that the countries that consume the most uh, amount of salt have the highest longevity or or healthy adjusted uh, longevity um health adjusted longevity uh which means living to an age and remaining healthy um you you kind of find out that there the people that eat the most salt live the longest yet mm-hmm. on the very mm-hmm. front page of the WHO they tell you to cut back on your salt so you have the policymakers that are giving you advice that is not backed by their own data. If anybody takes the trouble to look at the actual data, you find what are these guys saying? On the one hand, their yes. data says this. On the other hand, they're trying to convince. They're selling you a barrel of rotten fish, saying that this should be the. the I mean, that's not. I mean, that's what a bureaucrat does. Pardon me, I, I have some very strong opinions. That's about all right, but let me, me tell you what the, I mean. the, the original bureaucrats, uh, mandarins, half of them were eunuchs. I think the future, <laughs> we should go back to that system. And it, <laughs> no, no, I'm only kidding. I'm just saying no, that I understand. to me it's a, a privilege to be able to, to help people. And to waste it, it by giving them bad and to waste it by giving them bad advice is a terrible shame. And I'm going to tell you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Salt Guru, let me tell you, I walk around <laughs> in the summertime with salt in my pocket. I have Himalayan sea salt rocks, and I give it to police officers. And uh-huh. I, see, I see the police officers with their vests on, and they got all this stuff they're heavy, and they're sweating. We're in Atlanta, Georgia in the summertime. It's hot. And they got the bulletproof vests. They got all this stuff on. And I walk oh, up yeah. to the officers and said, you know what, you need salt. I see you drinking water, but you need to add salt into your water because guess what? You may start having joint pain, can't remember anything. You know, salt is your WD-40. I'm telling these officers this, and I have a little bag, and I'm giving this stuff out to them. Every last one of them listens, and it makes sense to them, and it's, oh, my goodness. And they actually start dropping the salt in their water and drinking it with their water, that kind of stuff. Because when I guess it's just that, ah, it's an aha moment and the veil comes off and it says, it works. And I'm telling them, I used to be able to tell you when it's going to rain and when the temperature is going to drop. When I start incorporating the salt in the water in my water, the salt in my water, I, I can't tell you that no more. It does not, it yep. does, I can't yeah. tell you. And it happens well, you know, every in, time you see that. 
in the uh, in the army uh in the israeli army anyway in the, in the desert area uh when they uh get up uh for inspection in the morning uh senior officer ask him ask them if they've taken their salt tablet and any guy who hasn't taken the salt tablet goes into the pokey for a day i mean this is not a joke i mean this is very very serious wow uh, and yeah. talking talking about salt, very I had a very interesting experience just yesterday. Uh, my wife and I, I don't know, we wanted to go out for lunch, and we wanted something a little different. So there's uh, near us in, in Folsom a small restaurant called the Falafel Corner. And so we went and we had some falafel or whatever it was. And then you go up to that table where they have all the condiments. And uh, I, I wanted some salt, uh, you know, for my my dish. I picked up one of those little bags, and it said iodized salt. And I just couldn't believe it because for years and years we were telling the restaurant industry that they should be using iodized salt in the restaurants rather than regular salt. The reason being, mm-hmm. when we made our, all of our food at home, we basically used salt we picked up in the uh, supermarket that was iodized. In 19, I guess it was around 1924, the salt industry came out with the idea that uh, because we eat salt in such a regular amount, that it will be the ideal carrier for iodine uh, to prevent goiter and mental retardation for kids. Uh, so they decided, listen, it's not going to cost us that much to add uh, iodine to the salt. Let's make sure that the price of salt that's iodized is exactly the same price as non-iodized salt. And that was the case from 1924 till today. It's the same price if you buy iodized or non-iodized salt. And if you buy iodized salt, especially these days, because, and for pregnant women it's really important, we're dropping down slightly in, in our iodine level. Uh, and years and years ago, uh, I spoke to the Restaurant Association, uh, who don't have the same deal. They don't get iodized salt at quite the same price as uh, non-iodized salt. It's a little bit more expensive. Not much more, but a little bit more. But they don't really think about it, so most of them you know, don't use iodized salt. And I really, I was really shocked when I saw. I went over to the people. I really congratulated them. Said, you know something, I know it's costing you, you know, a couple pennies more, you know, in bulk to buy the iodized salt. But you know, you're doing something that's really good, and you don't have to do it. I know because nobody else. But I, I was really, really pleased with these people, that they were really thinking about their customers. Uh, so uh, yeah, uh, you know, we we are seeing some some good changes, but boy, it takes a long time. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. We're on the D Hour Network show. This is Marsha Thaddison, and we have Mr. Morton Satin um, from the Salt Institute. I am very happy to have you on board with us to give us uh, the light, give us to the light to show us the truth about salt. Because so many doctors take their patients off of salt, and we're going to talk about that when we come back. And some of the other benefits that we can learn from salt. So I just want to thank you for being on, and we'll be right back on the D-Hour Network. Thank you.
This is Marcia Thaddison. You're back with the Hour Network for your help with Marcia Thaddison. I just want to welcome my guest tonight and uh, 
let my listening audience know the importance of this show is to educate us that we're empowered with information and knowledge that can better our health and the health of our family. Um, I always tell people I am that grandma of yesterday calling in the next generation to re-educate us about our health and the food we need to do because so many times we're busy working, uh, taking care of the kids, paying the bills. We just don't have the time to take time to find this great information about the Salt Institute and how salt can benefit us, and that is very, very important. So um, before we took the break, um, we talked about, I wanted you to ask the question about, answer the question on doctors always taking their patients off of salt, especially when they have heart problems. And I think diabetes is one. Is that correct? Uh, well, actually, <laughs> cutting back on salt is not good for diabetes. It's quite the opposite. Um, but, you know, all of this, Martha, starts from, uh, you know, a, a century-long uh, sort of history of mythology. You know, it all started around, I don't know, 1904 or something like this, when a couple of French guys, uh, French physicians, uh, uh, attributed uh, hypertension uh, to uh, increased levels of salt. And uh, they they happened to be uh, very loud people. <laughs> and they published a lot, and they spoke a lot, and they lectured a lot. The problem was that nobody could ever reproduce what they did. That's, a, that's, uh, that's the first sort of test of science. I mean, if something is real and somebody does it, then somebody else should be able to do it. I mean, that's a basic tenet of science. Um, but nevertheless, the idea of uh, salt causing uh, blood pressure took hold. The strangest thing is that in those days, they really thought that, uh, and they stated, that the element of salt that caused the blood pressure wasn't sodium, it was the chloride. That's what they said. I mean, they were so certain, uh, but they happened to be wrong. And they, no one could ever reproduce their uh, their figures. And we went on to other people. There was a Dr. Kempner that had this rice diet, uh, very, very famous for it. He said it was all uh, due, you were able to reduce hypertension because of this uh, rice diet. Uh, you could only eat rice and fruit. Uh, and uh, it was because the salt was low, uh, the hypertension disappeared. And, and this was a pretty famous guy. I mean, he had movie stars. He had notables all coming to him. Uh, the problem is that he had, although he was able to uh, cure hypertension, he had the reason all wrong. The reason was because of the high level of fruit that they were consuming. It wasn't because of the uh, low sodium. It was because they were getting high potassium from the fruit that they were consuming. Uh, then it went on. There were uh, other people. I mean, this ended up being an argument based on personal charisma, you know, the characters themselves, rather than the data. And that's not science. Science, you have to be able to depend on the data so that anybody can go ahead and say, let me see if I can repeat that. And if they can repeat it, fine. If they can't repeat it, you know, there's been a problem. 
Uh, and it's gone on like that up until today. The anti-salt uh, people have never really relied on long-term uh, studies that were reproducible. Uh, and yet took hold. Uh, and it's very, very easy to understand why. Uh, Martha, you've been in situations where you go to a restaurant, uh, and let's say, let's say it's Asian food high in salt, mm -hmm. and somebody goes ahead and eats a meal, and they feel their fingers are a little bit puffy, and they feel like they have higher blood pressure or something. In fact, what you've had is a really big dose of salt, and how your body is reacting is perfectly normal. Uh, you know, your, your blood pressure does increase slightly. What you have to do is get rid of that huge load of salt you just took in. The faster you get rid of it, the faster your blood pressure uh, drops. And you do that just simply by drinking more water. You basically mm -hmm. flush it out. That's the way the body works. That's the way it's supposed to work. Uh, and, and that's not hypertension because the next day or so, you don't have that high blood pressure anymore. But because in our mind we associate this kind of swelling that uh, some people get when they eat a lot of salt. Um, they, they, they associate that with hypertension. So the policy people say, aha, now we can go ahead and say something that everybody's really going to believe because they're already pre-judged uh, sort of, uh, uh, on that. And they went ahead and they pushed this, this myth that uh, salt causes blood pressure, totally ignoring all of the history. Do you know that nobody, not a single person, had studied the amount of salt we used to uh, consume for the last 200 years until I started looking into the military uh, rations of the armies. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't figure out where can I find this data. Because mm -hmm. nothing was published in any of the medical texts what we consumed. The only thing I the only thing is I reminded myself that the military keep good records. So I went back into military rations, going back all the way to the War of 1812, and it was there that we found out that cons before that time nothing was published. And and Martha, I can only deal with. Uh, legitimate published information. I can't deal with somebody's opinion on what we ate when we were cavemen because they don't know what we ate any more than I do. <laughs> I mean, people can surmise whatever they want, but uh, right. unless right. you have real data, it's just a surmise. It's not. It's not. It's an opinion. It's not evidence. Uh, but here we had evidence showing consistently from the War of 1812 up until the end of the Second War, including the prisoner of war camps. Uh, that the Germans had uh, for, let's say, the American Air Force. It all ran between 18 and 20 grams of salt per day. Double, more than double what we consume now. But nobody had ever taken the trouble. All of these experts that came out with such great opinions never took the trouble to try and find out what we actually ate. And, and I mean, if if you're going to take the responsibility of informing somebody, then, my goodness, do your homework before you open your mouth. Uh, and nobody did. Uh, so it's it's very, very important for us to try to get the, uh, the perspective across to consumers. Um, as I said, 
you can't name me one single gourmet food that that was not preserved in salt. I don't care if it's caviar or cheese yeah. or salami or 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 ham. And, and you know, uh, all and of fermented food is so popular right now for people going back to fermenting food. And what is that done? That's in salt brine. You know, of of course you can't make blue cheese. It's impossible to make as an example blue mm-hmm. cheese uh, uh, mm-hmm. without salt because that that blue mold will die. If there's no salt yeah. around, you right. know, so right. now we, do our military we, men take do our military men take salt tablets today or like they did? Uh, I, uh, it, it depends in what uh, theater of operation they are. If they're in the desert, I think one way or the other. They're either taking tablets or they're making sure that they're getting, uh, by other means, a sufficient amount of salt. You can't operate in a hot climate without salt. You will die. Uh, yeah. You'll certainly not be a very active uh, soldier uh, without yeah. salt. You need salt to function. And I found this book on the Internet called Salt in the Bible. Is by Reverend Charles Tuglin, Tuglin, and it's a very uh-huh. old book. I don't think there's many copies out there. And right. me being a Christian, and every offering they could not, the high priest could not take an offering into the temple or to the God or make a sacrifice. Every offering had to contain salt. Of course, it could not be saltless. But to give you, Martha, just to give you an idea of how universal that concept is. You're talking about the Bible, that they they would spread salt uh, in order to purify uh, an environment. But if you look today at sumo wrestlers in the ring, have you ever seen sumo wrestling? In the ring, the first thing that they do is these guys spread salt all around the ring in order to purify that wrestling ring. I mean, it is such a universal uh, item uh, where faith is bound up with tradition. Uh, I mean, salt really does have uh, a special place. And the reason is, by the way, the reason is, is because of salt's ability to preserve. It all goes back to that. It preserved the bodies of the the pharaohs. Uh, I mean, it preserved our food. Uh, And because of that, it was almost considered holy. It was considered holy. Yes. Uh, Yes. So, uh, uh, and it was because of that that we have this reverence, in a sense, uh, for salt. Uh, And uh, again, I'm the, you know, I don't want people to eat (laughs) more salt than they should the last thing I want. But what we want them to do is eat that amount of salt that maintains their health. End of story. Uh, you know, and in fact, uh, unless you do that, you you are setting yourself up for higher risks. And as mm-hmm. I said, unfortunately, the government has not had the guts, the simple, honest guts to tell people, to to put people into a frame of mind and understanding that there are no miracles, 
this is all a matter of balance. You eat food uh, uh, in a balanced way. You have to make sure that uh, you get all the nutrients. There's no miracle uh, foods. Uh, uh, you know, don't don't guide your life by these these myths. You know, you have to understand that in in order to survive, you have to eat a balanced diet. I mean, you must forgive me. I and a lot of people that are in your listening audience are going to be very cynical about this. But whenever I've had pets or dogs. Uh, I've made sure that they consumed, forgive me, I mean, a lot of people will object, commercial foods made by really good nutritionists. The You know, and <laughs> all my animals have lived a very long, healthy life. The only so thing is, is that... Uh, the only thing is I made sure I never overfed them. I made sure they were always a bit hungry. Uh, and... That really, I mean, I, I unfortunately just passed away, but I had a Sheltie who died at the age of 18. I mean, that's really incredible wow. for a Sheltie. Yeah. And it was because yeah. because he was eating a balanced diet. He, I wasn't giving him any table scraps. Everybody's going to object to that. But I was doing it for him uh, mm-hmm. because, I, you know, I love the animal. I did want him to live to, to a, an, an old age. And that was the only knowledge that I had was, uh, you know, keep them hungry. Don't overfeed them, but at least give them something that is known to be uh, balanced. And there are no miracles. You know, it's, it's just, you know, rational uh, information. Now, um, when I do my salt and water, what I, this book, You're Not Sick, You're Thirsty, and uh, I read that book, and Dr. Batman Gadget or something, I forgot his last name. His last name is really hard. He's an Iranian doctor. And uh, what I like about the book is that he went up against his government on a political issue, and they put him in prison. And while he was in prison, by him being a physician, he had to work on the prisoners. Right. And he said, he, you know, he would go between stabbings or whatever else, and he said to, to please the person that was sitting there with a stomachache or whatever, he said he'd shake some salt in the water, he'd drink this, drink this, drink this. And he noticed, wait a minute, they weren't having the health issues when he kept giving them the salt in the water. And actually when it was time for him to be released, he said, wait a minute, I'm not finished with my studies. So he finished the book, You're Not Sick, You're Thirsty. And the book was one that I started incorporating, taking a teaspoon of the him. I used the Himalayan sea salt because that has 84 minerals and putting that in water and drinking half my weight in water in ounces. Because as I said before, I used to be able to tell you when it was going to rain and when the temperature was going to drop. And we just had quite a bit of rain and the temperature is cold here. So I don't have to listen to the weatherman no more, you know, because I tell people water and salt is my WD-40. I'm not, my knees ain't cracking, ain't nothing popping. All that's gone. And when I found You're a human, salt, bar- a human barometer. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, no, no more. I am no longer that. But, but give people the website so they can take a look. I do have it on the link. But I want them to hear the website, and because you you even ask questions, because you you, you know, um, 
ask questions. Ask the stock guru any questions you have. You know, he'll answer them for you. So give them the website and um, sure. talk a little bit, talk about the website, what you all have out there to help us. Okay. Uh, the, the website is very, very simple, www.saltinstitute, but that's one word, S-A-L-T-I-N-S-T-I-T-U-T-E, dot O-R-G. So it's www.saltinstitute.org. And there we put down uh, all the information on salt. Now, only a limited amount, of course, has got to do with food because we deal with all applications of salt, uh, winter maintenance, uh, water conditioning, uh, you know, other applications of uh, salt, pool salt and stuff like that. Um, but one one section is devoted uh, to salt and health. Uh, and they can get all the answers. Uh, and, of course, whatever answers uh, they can't find there, they can uh, uh, ask us. Now, we're very, very, very careful about a couple things. Uh, very, very important for us. Number one, we are extremely strict uh, about antitrust legislation. We don't promote anybody's salt. Uh, you know, it's not an advertising uh, uh, website. We, you know, we maintain our credibility just by giving out all, all the available uh, uh, information that we have that's been published in legitimate journals. We basically want people to be informed, but informed uh, in the most honest way possible. We, we, it, we, th- this is not a website of opinions. This is a website of evidence, and that's really very, very important. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, they can visit that website and, uh, you know, get a, a great deal of information. We try not to deal with any uh, sort of uh, uh, sort of potential myths or uh, misunderstandings. Um, we, as I said, we don't promote uh, any uh, one type of salt. We try, in fact, to give. Uh, people um, a very good perspective with the issue, for instance, of uh, salt that contains all sorts of other minerals. Now, we we understand uh, of the value of a broad base of a mineral mix, but unless there has been a publication, I mean a legitimate publication in a medical or scientific journal that really describes in detail uh, the the issue with these other minerals, then we will tell people, we'll say, listen, uh, yes, that may be possible, but we have not really seen a peer-reviewed publication on this. So we can't comment. Uh, we have to be able to maintain our credibility. Uh, and, right. and, we, and, and we do so simply by being, simply by being honest. Uh, if people want to uh, believe in that, well, that's fine. We're not saying no. All we're saying is that we haven't seen a peer-reviewed study uh, that gives us uh, the confidence to say that, yes, if this will be repeated, you'll get exactly the same results again. Uh, so that's the sort of site we are. We try to be, listen, it's a controversial area. We don't have a choice. We have to maintain this credibility. I mean, everybody thinks, uh, you know, we're the Salt Institute. Some people have painted us uh, in a terrible light. Uh, But, in fact, uh, everything that we do, we reference, uh, and we ask them, listen, if you don't believe it, check it out yourself. Uh, Right. 
the last thing we want to do is make uh, uh, people ill. I mean, uh, as mm-hmm. I said, particularly in the area of food salt, this is such a small part of the uh, the the salt business, and, and and we do feel that they should know a little bit about the history, the fact that uh, uh, you know we've consumed so much more salt in the past than we do now. People people find this counterintuitive. I mean, they look at a bag of chips. Oh, we're eating so much salt. <laughs> they don't. They don't realize that everything that we ate in the fa- in the past, from salt uh, fish to preserved meat uh, to cheese, mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. was preserved with salt. With salt. Uh, mm-hmm. And people and people didn't die young. They only died young when you consider life expectancy from the time of birth. It was a product of infant mortality. It wasn't a product of lifestyle. Uh, You know, as I said, (laughs) it would be an interesting exercise for people to... um, It's a little bit easier in Europe because they have a longer history. But, you know, to visit a cemetery and look at some of these uh, people that died uh, 150, 200 years ago, and you look at the ages, and they died at pretty old ages. But you had to be able to survive first. Uh, so we're, all we're trying to do is get people into the right frame of mind, a proper, a proper, rational perspective. You know, don't no, react cover, to anything crazy. Yeah, sorry. On the show, we cover on health, and we covered on a little bit on food. What about water? How's the benefit of salt to our water? What does that do? Because I know it helps soften the water. What is how is the benefit well, of it, salt it, it all water? depends. Yeah, it it all depends. Uh, for uh, there are some areas in the country that have very hard water. Uh, so mm-hmm. the uh, the most uh, cost effective uh, water conditioning systems uh, use salt to remove the hardness minerals out. Uh, and replace uh, those minerals with sodium, uh, so that uh, and you never get enough. So that you know the water that you're drinking doesn't taste salty, uh, but what you're doing is you're getting rid of those minerals that cause scale uh, to occur, and that's more significant, significant by the way, than you might think. You might look at scale uh, as something that's unsightly and inconvenient. But scale also happens to be a terrific home for bacteria. So by making sure that your pipes are not scaled or your faucets are not scaled, you're also making sure that you're minimizing uh, the potential for them to harbor any uh, bacteria. Um, that that That's number one. Uh, it, it's used in, in water softening uh, there. Um, uh, essentially, uh, uh, it's, it's used in uh, some swimming pools as well to uh, provide the source of uh, chlorine that's natural, that comes from uh, salt. Uh, there, there are a great many uh, applications of it aside uh, from food. Um, um, so um, it, is, it is used in, in a number uh, of uh, non-food applications as well. But in the food area, there are countless 
areas where salt is critical. Uh, I mean, it's still critical for um, ensuring uh, that uh, some meat products have um, hygienic uh, uh, safety. Uh, as an example, uh, you know, you, you, one of the uh, best ways of limiting uh, the potential for botulism is ensuring that there is sufficient a sufficient amount of salt in uh, in food products such as uh, sausages and such. Uh, so yeah, there's a great many applications uh, for salt. Really, a very large uh, set of applications, uh, and they all contribute to our overall intake of salt, which, as I mentioned, has remained very, very stable since since the mid-50s. Now, are there any companies still uh, packaging their meat with salt as a, w- a way of preserving it? Do we still have that going on today as mostly everything refrigerated? Well, the, salt, yeah. salt, is, salt is part of a, a package. Uh, the, uh, some people uh, sort of refer to it as a quiver, like a quiver of arrows. Uh, it's it's part of a set of technologies that limit uh, the microbiological liability of a of a product. They make sure that uh, the bacteria that are in there are either killed or their growth potential is limited. Uh, so it is still used in a great many uh, products. It's used, uh, I mean, obviously it adds taste. Uh, salt is a, uh, a sort of a positive taste. Not too much salt, uh, but salt is a, a positive taste in, in a lot of foods. It's rather interesting. Um, in a couple of years ago, we did a study on, uh, uh, many years ago, at, uh, where was it? I think it was University of Ohio. Uh, we did a study on um, salt and broccoli. We wanted to, to see, this is one study, one of the very, very few studies that uh, the Salt Institute helped um, um, pay for. And we wanted to see how kids responded uh, to, uh, to broccoli and the addition of salt. Now, broccoli is a very healthy vegetable. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kids, you know, kids... I'm not crazy about it, generally speaking. Uh, and uh, what we did was um, we tried to, to have them consume broccoli with three three or four levels of salt. Uh, one was no salt. Uh, one was a certain <laughs> low level. One was a medium level. And one was a high level. And uh, and they actually filled out these forms, which one they preferred. It was terrific because they were young kids. It was really uh, terrific uh, to do this study because they really took it seriously. Uh, and, you know, it was very, very clear that the kids really did not like broccoli uh, without salt because, you know, it's got some bitter components. And uh, But broccoli is very, very healthy. Uh, it mm-hmm. turns out, that most and most of them did not like the broccoli with a high level of salt. Most of them preferred the broccoli with that level of salt that just got them over the bitterness. Uh, and it was really really interesting to see these kids because they took it seriously. Um, but really, that's what we're trying to say. That listen, if you can get kids to eat broccoli, which has got so many good nutrients associated <laughs> with it, just by adding a touch of salt, enough to make it palatable for the kids, you're a step ahead. 
uh, you know, right. you're getting them to eat good. F- I mean, this is this is important. They can't live with these myths. Uh, you know, that prevent them uh, from consuming healthy foods. Yeah. So, and yeah, I find we, we've so, got a bit of yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I find that salt also helps prevent cramping, you know, toe cramps or leg cramps. And um, putting the salt with the water, for me, it helps eliminate cramps if you get toe cramps Ab- or leg cramps. And why uh, is it cramping up like that? Well, some people are more sensitive to it than others, uh, and it's basically a muscle function. You have to be able to get it. Uh, muscles have to have a certain uh, amount uh, of uh, salt in them to be able to function properly. Uh, and when you do a lot of exercise, as an example, uh, um, or if you have a certain metabolic problem, uh, you're uh, you're basically uh, ridding uh, that area of um, of the amount of salt that it needs to to contract uh, properly. Um, so rubbing it will increase the circulation. It'll it'll get the blood there. It'll get the salt there. But consuming a little bit uh, more salt will ease the situation as well. I, I mean, the one thing I mean with runners, I mean it's a terrible thing because you're losing so much salt in sweat. As an example, uh, when you run, you have to make sure that they're getting enough electrolytes. Uh, to make sure that uh, your muscles uh, don't suffer from a, a loss uh, of these, uh, or a temporary loss of these uh, electrolytes. So it's all a matter of trying to keep things uh, in balance. Uh, this is not to say that one should go around uh, consuming tremendous amounts of salt. Of course not. Um, but, you know, in particular situations and for particular metabolisms, in other words, for certain individuals, uh, you have to be able to make sure that uh, uh, they keep that part of their metabolism in balance. It's not, it's, now, what it's you- not more complicated. Yep. What do you think about the electrolytes, those drinks, you know, the Gatorades, all these other drinks that people use in substitute for <laughs> doing the salt in the water? Well, and, that's and, very and interesting. This- you, you, you ask a very interesting question. It's a question that's very dear to my heart. Uh, <laughs> do you know coconut water? <laughs> Have you ever, you've heard of coconut yes, water, of course. Yes, it's very popular. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, co- coconut water is something that I invented. Back when I was in Rome at the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, when I served there, uh, and I have the patent uh, on coconut water because oh. it was a natural. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> right. That's why I say it's dear to my heart. Wow! You can check it out. You can check it out on the internet. Well, it was really very funny because a, a group of countries, a group of tropical countries, came to visit me in my office and like, "Oh, you know, we're dying in the coconut business. Uh, you know, nobody wants to buy oil anymore. We don't know what we're going to do." And I looked over the um, the problem over a weekend, and I came across this publication uh, where during the Second World War, both the British and the Japanese, when they were running short of their supplies of plasma, substituted fresh coconut water yeah. from from young coconuts. You know, coconut water in the nut is sterile. 
Okay, there's no bacteria in it. And all they did was they ran that coconut water. It had to be young enough so that the nut had not formed yet in the coconut. Uh, they ran that coconut water down through a, you know, a cotton uh, filtration straight into the vein to substitute for, uh, pla- yes. for plasma. And um, I said, well, that's that's really interesting. Why don't we make a sports drink, an isotonic sports drink, out of uh, coconut water? And the first thing I did was I patented it. And the reason why I patented it is because I wanted to make the patent freely available for all developing countries. Uh, I didn't want any mm-hmm. large corporations to get hold of that technology and therefore exclude it from them. So I went ahead, I, I uh, took out a British patent on it, and I transferred the patent to the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations on the condition that they would make it freely available. Uh, so, uh, you wow. know, last last year, that $4 billion sales in coconut water. The unfortunate yes. part is I didn't get a penny on it, but that's not oh, the point. No. I mean, the, the the point was that, you know, here we, we, we were – we were able to take some natural product that was isotonic and, and turn it into something that was really quite valuable. Now you see coconut water everywhere. So I get a kick out of it. That's the only thing I get out of it, but I still do get a kick out of it. Um, and um, so, yeah, it's very, very important that, that we get a, a, a certain amount of uh, electrolytes. And if we don't, uh, we basically we we end up suffering from shock uh, sort of we if we don't have enough electrolytes in it our muscles won't function uh our digestion will suffer um and obviously our you know cerebral um functions will suffer as well so uh, no uh these these uh, these sports drinks the ones that uh, have a mix of electrolytes uh, are fine the only thing is, I mean, for goodness sake, it's like anything else. It, nothing should be taken out of context. I mean, nobody should live on sports drinks. You can drink some water right. as well. <laughs> I mean, uh, right. so yeah, right. every, there's a place for everything, but there's also a perspective that has to be followed. Don't let things get out of hand. Everything's got to be in balance. Uh, now, you know. So. Now I've read too. Some I've read an article where uh, they were even actually taking the seawater and um, the sea, the water in the ocean water, seawater is supposed to be equivalent to our um, blood level and taking it then and putting it in veins. Have you heard anything about that using no, seawater and no. transfusion? Uh, no, uh, I know that there is, you know, it's possible to... Uh, Exists for certain periods of time on 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 seawater, but not very not very long. Uh, I mean, um, this is an area where there is just I have not seen. I I, I won't say that there hasn't been enough research because I can't really tell you that with any authority. It's because I don't. Right. I just don't know. Uh, but um, I do know that uh, I, if you if you're caught out on the sea somewhere, it's best if you have a distillation unit. Uh, I, I I really I I don't have any experience, so I really can't comment on that. Okay. So one another thing that you, your website talked about. We talked about health. We talked about food. We talked about water. Road salt. Now, many parts of the United States, they're needing some road salt. 
And so that is one of the things you educate us about, the road saw, how it's done, how to preserve it, that kind of thing on your website, correct? Right. And uh, one of the... One of the real problems that we face, and I I don't see an immediate solution, but one of the problems that we face is that when we built our road system, we never really built it to ensure efficiency throughout the year. We never designed our roads for winter, per se. In other words, right now, uh, we use salt to ensure that uh, the, there's no ice on the roads, that the ice is removed. Um, but we never design the road specifically for that particular contingency that we had to take care of. And um, because of that, uh, it's very, very important that uh, it be managed carefully. Uh, if, if you know, years ago somebody had the foresight to say, hang on, uh, we're going to be needing road salt, uh, you know, for the next uh, 200 years, uh, all the roads that we build in future uh, should be designed so that we can drain off the, uh, uh, you know, the salty solution and store it and blah, 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 blah. We've never done that. Uh, so what we have to do instead is we have to leave it to ourselves rather than the road engineers uh, to make sure that uh, we manage uh, that winter maintenance commodity very carefully. Uh, and and we've done a, an awful lot on that uh, ourselves. Uh, we have uh, instructed people um, how to use the uh, – and, and this may seem counterintuitive to you, but to, it's not to us. Uh, we have instructed them how to use the minimum amount of salt required to ensure the roads are passable and clear. Uh, you would think that, well, you know, we're in the salt business, so we should try to use the maximum. No. That's not been our attitude from the start. Our attitude has been is that this is a critical commodity in certain weather conditions. Uh, and we want to make sure that this commodity is not leading to other problems. Therefore, it has to be managed very carefully. Uh, and we have shown people how to use the minimum amounts uh, to get the job done uh, and... Um, uh, uh, that has been, you know, the main focus uh, of, of our work uh, in, during the last, I don't know how many decades at the uh, Salt Institute, uh, making certain that the road salt is properly managed and is not over uh, overused. You know, when you, uh, if you live in the north, uh, you sometimes you see a salt truck in front of you. I remember in the old old days. You know, if mm-hmm. I was ever behind a salt yeah. truck, you'd yep. see the spreader yep. even at a stop yep. sign yep. or the red light, that spreader <laughs> keeps spreading. I mean, that's a total yep. waste. Not only is it a waste of salt, but, I mean, you're putting yep. stuff down on the road that's not necessary. Uh, so, I you know, remember we, that. Yeah. yeah. 
So we've really worked to try to make these things really efficiently, uh, to operate efficiently rather, and to use the, mim- the minimum amount of salt that it will take to get the job done. Uh, and um, uh, I think we've been rather su- successful. Uh, we've shown the dynamics of how uh, salt moves through the environment. Uh, and we've shown if you put salt down in certain areas at certain application rates, that it will dissipate into the environment, it will be carried away um, in uh, the uh, streams, and it will, in fact, move out back uh, back to the oceans eventually uh, so that we minimize the um, the impact. And, of course, there, there are there are problems uh, still. Uh, you know, people are not careful. There's uh, over-application uh, in some uh, cases. Um, you know, we've uh, had a lot of complaints about uh, oh, some of the salt getting into uh, the lakes. Uh, and but I, ha- I have to tell you, but uh, given a choice, of having my wife and children uh, driving a car on a slippery, uh, icy road. I would prefer to have a little bit extra salt at the bottom of a lake rather than my wife and children. Uh, you know, this, right. this is a seri- right. this is a serious yeah. business. We're we're talking mm-hmm. uh, of an environment that has the potential for life and death uh, over us, and we have to be able to manage it properly. Uh, and th- that's not to say that we're cavalier about it, but we have to put things again into this perspective. We live here. You know, this is right. where we live. Right. Right. You know. Right. So now I have a question. How did the Salt Institute being opened up in uh, Florida instead of Minnesota or Wisconsin? <laughs> oh well, it, it's 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 rather interesting. A, cu- a couple of years ago, uh, it was uh, decided that because uh, we have a very small staff, uh, to, to be honest, and uh, because everything had become electronic in terms of communication, uh, okay. because of communications, it, basically we. We said, you know, it might be a little bit cheaper if we moved, <laughs> and uh, we we kind of left it up to the staff. Uh, you know, we 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 meet very regularly uh, on conferences, conference calls, and uh, you know, we're spread all over the country, so we we have pretty okay, good coverage. Gotcha. Okay, because I'm like, okay, the Salt Institute is in California, I mean, Florida, and not. Uh, Wisconsin or Minnesota, right. you know, where you expect the salt really want to be used. But the information is great. It's powerful. Um, the website, again, is the saltinstitute.org. And the phone number there um, is 239-231-3305. And you guys, have anyone who can call there, have questions or I think the best thing is if you get on the site, I think there's a little section that says uh, ask the uh, salt guru. And then you this just salt send guru, a short yes. the salt, Yeah. And then you just send a short email with your question, and we try to answer it uh, as quickly as we can. Uh, in some cases, um, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of sta- a standard question, so we get a very f- fast turnaround time. In other cases, it may take a little bit more uh, time uh, to answer. Uh, what uh, we uh, want to make sure is that people understand what this is all about and really don't get hijacked by, uh, you know, any misperceptions uh, that 
that are out there. Uh, and what we do do is we challenge anybody, anyone, to, in fact, question the data that we have. Uh, that's one thing that you know we we work very hard on is that the stuff that we put out as i say is all peer reviewed it's all double checked i can guarantee you that there isn't a government agency out there that uh, can justify uh their uh, their information nearly as well as we can uh, with references and, uh, as I said, uh, all, all the peer-reviewed data that's out there. We, we are really serious about this uh, because, I mean, it, I mean, that's what we're all about. We're not here to misinform. We're here to inform. And believe me, you know, it's, it's not because uh, sort of the commercial thing. We really have this sense of responsibility. When, when iodine was added to salt in 1924, as I said, it was made, iodized salt was made the same price as regular salt, even though it cost the industry more to make it. Well, that sort of morality uh, that pervades the Salt Institute, we, we keep on uh, with. We want to make sure that people don't live under any misperceptions. Uh, and we don't, we don't tell people to eat more salt. We don't people tell people to eat less salt, we tell them what the data says, what the available mm -hmm. data says. And we, we try to treat, teach them like, uh, like adults. I mean, you can, you can tell a person, give a person all the information in the world about smoking. Uh, right. If they still want to smoke, listen, I've done whatever mm -hmm. I could. If they still yeah. want to smoke, that's their choice. Over here Correct. in the Salt Institute, we give them all the information, and we hope that they sit, they they think about it, they cogitate it, and they come to their conclusion uh, based on all the, all the information they have available to them, uh, you know, in as much sort of volume as possible. Uh, and it's their decision, uh, but at least it will be an informed decision. Yes. And then, you know, and then not only that, we'll have the knowledge and information. We can always pass on to other people and share with them what we're learning. And, that's, and I truly believe we're each other clinical trial or information because, like you said, we don't have the grandmas and the moms that's sharing yeah. this wisdom and knowledge anymore. So for you guys mm -hmm. to have to study this information out there, and it's great information, and it's well, the, the Internet, your Internet is well um informative for the food, the uh, the water, the whole bit. It gives great information. So I want well, people Martin, to take yeah. the time to check it out. One of the one of the, the questions, Martha, is, I mean, people, you ask people about food. Everybody has got an opinion about food. And usually the opinions are very strong uh, mm -hmm. about food, as you know. I mean, people love to talk about food. But we want those opinions to be informed. I mean, rationally informed. Uh, you know, we're not going to tell somebody who has to cut back on salt because they have uh, an allergy to salt or a sensitivity to salt. We're not going to tell them to go ahead and eat salt. I mean, that would be mm -hmm. how irresponsible could that right. be? 
Okay, yeah. but we want to make sure that uh, you know people who are so vested into the idea of food and food information and give other people advice, at least the advice that they should give should have some basis in reality, some basis in honesty. It should not only be wives' tales. It's got to be honest because somebody's <laughs> going to benefit or or suffer from it. Uh, right. You know that's right. uh, you know right. even you know even somebody telling their friend. I mean that's a big responsibility. You tell your friend, you influence your friend. Well, your friend's health could benefit or suffer from it. It's you know it's it's not something that you take lightly. You know we all have responsibilities to one another. Amen. Amen. I agree. I agree. I agree. And, you know, and this is what this show is about, is to inform each other, give us the information. A lot of times we never thought about it. I've never thought about it until I started reading and researching, and then I found your website. I was blown out the water, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, it is so informative. It gives good information, and I want to share that with everyday people that's like myself, you you know, trying to work and trying to make ourselves better. But one thing I do know, we do need salt. I'm learning we need salt. I need salt in my system, and I know what my body would do if I don't have it. So right. research, and if you have, talk with your doctor. You know, have them, have a conversation with him about your health and what you're looking to do or what you're learning because we can share with him. He can check out the website and learn from himself. Because sometimes they're busy working, um, you know, seeing patients, taking care of their lives, and a lot of times they're sick too. So we just want to be able Absolutely. to have that information to take care of each other. And this information right. is powerful to me, and I'm so happy to have you on board right. to, uh, oh, with me. And, um, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, we got to do this again because uh, we got to constantly, you know, it always tells to train a child. We have to keep teaching each other and sharing with each other. So we'll have you guys go back on again and just bring out some sure. more good information, more studies that you're doing. Because I think if we keep putting this in people's face and letting their ears keep hearing it, they will share this with other people and then have them to check out your website and check out our um, our blog talk because it's about sharing. That's what I want to do, share and share. And I I would like people to have confidence in their own ability uh, to understand things, to do, to have a perspective. Don't leave it to somebody else. You've got the the ability. You've got the knowledge. Just just think about things a little bit. Don't get taken away by uh, these myths and and stories. And I mean, it. We you know, as I keep keep saying, you know, we were probably better off listening to grandma. Uh, yeah. You know, because grand, grand, grandma wasn't uh, you know infected by all these these myths. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, really, uh, the, you know, uh, we 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 do have to share this information. We do we do have to make sure that it doesn't get out of context, uh, and uh, and that we uh, we we live a a healthful, uh, calm life. We don't panic about every last little thing that somebody says, you mm-hmm. know, is is mm-hmm. is bad for you. Uh, uh, you know, there's a certain rationale we have to follow. Right, right, right. And, you know, like you said, don't worry about things. Hypertension, I think, is tend to be the number one thing that's putting many people on blood pressure medication. It's stress, you know, just getting stressed out and letting it get worked up about 
something we oh, can't yeah. control. So you know, it's it's, it's a big it's a big deal. It, uh, hypertension is a big deal, and and it's something that we have to look at carefully. Uh, and mm-hmm. but we also have to understand that uh, you go to the doctor's office, you get a bit nervous. Ten points higher on your systolic. Uh, the uh, uh, you know you you were in traffic on, on the way to to the doctor. Another ten points in uh, systolic. I mean we are very very sensitive. Our blood pressure is an ex- extraordinarily sensitive uh, barometer of of, uh, of of health in our body. But we have to understand that some of it is due to um, our genetics. Some of it is due to what we call our epigenetics. That is, I mean, if we have had generations and generations of people living under stress uh, that would uh, increase their blood pressure, you know, their kids uh, may not live under quite the same stress, but they've inherited a certain uh, epigenetic uh, content, and it may take a couple of generations for that to go away. And there are genuine uh, uh, genetic issues that have to be looked at. But the fact is that most of us uh, don't uh, suffer from hypertension. Uh, The other fact is that most of us have not taken the trouble to have our, our blood pressure checked on a regular basis, and it is important. Uh, I mean, it, it is a measure that uh, really we have to be uh, on top of. Uh, and uh, if if uh, if it's warranted, if uh, someone has a problem of uh, of uh, getting rid of salt, if their kidneys aren't uh, working properly, yes, of course, got back on it. Uh, others, uh, for others, it's a matter of you know uh, enough with the uh, enough with the hamburgers. Eat some salad. So that you get some potassium in because that potassium has got as much to do with your blood pressure as the sodium does. And it reduces your Mm -hmm. blood pressure. Again, it's all this matter of balance. There are no miracles. There are no miracles. Yes, and then taking that, taking that initial step to make some changes with your health. I just want to yeah. thank you. We're going to take another break, and uh, you're on the D-Hour Network. This is Marsha Patterson, and we'll be right back. Love 
All right, you're back on the D-Hour Network. This is Martha Patterson for your health. I just want to remind our listening audience, to, to all the four-year listening audience, this radio program is for information presented here for the purpose of information only and to educate. It should not be construed as medical advice or diagnosis or treatment for any illness or injury or condition or preventing any uh, health problem. Please talk with your licensed practitioner or your doctor for any treatment or diagnosis. But I just want to take the time to say um, thank you for being on the show, Morton. I really appreciate you taking out the time on Sunday evening from your family to be with us to educate us about salt and the Salt Institute and has has been around you since since 1904, 1914. 1914. 1914? Right, right. And that's a long time. So I'm glad that you to educate us about salt, how important it is for our body, our health, and our mind because we need these, we need this salt. Because as you said, when we go to the hospital, the first thing they hook us up to is saline and that contains salt. And so that tells us we need that. So what well, Marcia, do you want to do yeah. about listening? Yeah. What do you want to well, do about uh, listening? I just want to say uh, thanks, Marsha. I appreciate this. The the most important thing is uh, is for everybody to try to maintain a proper perspective. Don't don't let things get out of get out of hand uh, and 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 try to as your grandma always said keep things in balance uh food is yeah. supposed to ta- taste good uh and uh you know it it's like anything else don't overdo it uh but uh, the the levels that we're consuming now are within the, the, the healthiest range that there is. Uh, and if you have any doubts, question them. Try to get the most legitimate information that you can. Uh, and uh, if anything, uh, you know, if someone says something, you ask them, well, what is the quality of that information? Is it your opinion or is it real science? Yes. Is it evidence-based science? So that you yourself at least have a degree of confidence in 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 what you're listening to. That that's really uh, our message. We we hope everyone has a, a wonderful holiday and stays healthy uh, and um, keeps well. Perfect, perfect, perfect. I thank you so much for being on the show with us. And like I said, next week we have Dr. Scott Whitaker on, and he's written a book called Medicine talking about um, our body and food and how our body can be healed. And, you know, food, salt, all that plays a part in how us, how we can be healthy in our mind and body. And, you know, um, with yesterday's Kitchen for Today, my other little business is educating the next generation on canning, fermenting, um, just teaching them the things that our grandparents taught us. I want to pass that knowledge and information on because information is powerful, knowledge is powerful, and having this to pass down from generation to generation is, 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 is key to me. And I think that's my main purpose as a mom and a grandma is making sure our kids, the next generation, have this information so they are healthy. So I just want to right. thank you for being on the show with us. All right. My pleasure. So we'll- and uh, I hate to say great salutations. <laughs> Sorry about the sound. I love it. I love it. I, I'm really, really grateful. I'm truly grateful for you being on. And I know I'm going to reach out again 
and have you guys back on in 2019 because we want to keep bringing this information every day uh, to educate our our community on food and how it's beneficial to us, okay? Marvelous. All the very best. Thank you. All right, we're going to take another break. You're on the D-Hour Network. This is Marcia Thaddison. All right, we'll be right back. Thank you. Network. This is Marcia Thaddison with For Your Health. I'm excited. We had a guest on today from the Salt Institute. That was Martin Fatten, and he is the salt guru, educating us about the benefit of salt. And I just want to thank him again for being on our show. Give us your website one more time, and uh, sure. this people and give us the website, and then 
one more thing. Tell us how many grams of salt, um, and I know it varies for different people, that um, you think, uh, based on your study, that we should have per day. Okay. Uh, first of all, the website is www.saltinstitute, one word, S-A-L-T-I-N-S-T-I-T-U-T-E, dot O-R-G. And right now we're at a pretty ideal level 3.4, but anything between 3 grams of sodium to 5 grams of sodium per day is considered the healthy range. As I said, we're at 3.4 grams of sodium or something like 8.5 grams of salt. That's the equivalent of 8.5 grams of salt per day. It's a little bit over. It's like one and, oh, let's say one and a third uh, teaspoons uh, of salt a day. And that that seems to be, uh, you know, at the lower end of the healthy range. That's where we are. Now, you... Do these people put this when they cook, or do they? Cause I add salt in my water. Oh, that's that's, that's total. Yeah, that would be total salt per day. That's uh, whatever uh, okay. uh, is absorbed when you cook. Don't forget when you cook, most of that salt you toss out if you're cooking spaghetti or something else. You're right. tossing out. But right. if you're if you're putting it into a stew or something, then you are consuming it. So uh, we're we're talking the total amount that's actually consumed, uh, not that's not right. the amount uh, that uh, um, you know. Comes all you know if you have canned peas or something, they're salt, but you drain them, uh, so you don't get right. all the salt in that liquid. So we're, we're consuming around okay. three, uh, three point four grams a day, or eight and a half grams of salt, three point four grams of sodium. We, we kind of use these interchangeably, but but don't. I mean, when you hear the term sodium, make sure that you don't confuse it with salt. Salt is uh, only forty percent of that is sodium, so you have to you know do the math to get the amount of salt. So we're currently consuming around eight eight and a half grams of salt per day, and that's, All right, that's, a, that's a pretty good range. Well, I hope to give you guys some great information with that you can take and use and um, give us some feedback as to what, how the information from the show helped you or even contact them through their website. I just want to thank okay. everyone for being on the D Hour Network for your help with Marcia Thaddison. And, Mr. Morton, you have a blessed week and nice holiday with you and your families and enjoy. Same to you, Marsha. All the very best. Safe week. All right. Have have a good one. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Bye.